is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach, and today I welcome David Hyatt to the show. David, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. I'm really excited to dive into a juicy conversation, and you're going to talk about the power of improving personal communication and managing expectations at work and at home. And you've got this gorgeous new book called From the Boardroom to the Living Room, Communicate with Skill and Positive Outcomes. What prompted you to write the book, David? Well, to communicate with skill for more positive outcomes really is basically what my work life has been uh, for the last 25 plus years. What I have found is that we are woefully lacking in our communication skills as as a as a group of human beings. Um, I hear so many of my my customers and clients and my friends, and most of the complaints that I hear. Uh, revolve around a misunderstanding, a lack of communication, um, failure to listen. Uh, it's, it's just amazing how so many of my clients, as we would teach them these things uh, regarding the work life, they would say, boy, I wish my family could have access to this. And it's one of those moments, Caroline, where the light bulb went off, <laughs> like, oh, well, gee, if that's the case, why don't I write the book for that? And it sort of happened from 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 so many of my clients saying, "Hey, I wish my family had something they could uh, get capture these same skills with." Oh, that's brilliant! What a great story! And you know, I can relate to that on so many levels. We learn so many valuable lessons at work, and and we hope that we're continuing to hone and improve our communication. But sometimes we don't honor that at home, and I'm I'm grateful that you integrate both. You know, the concept of active learning is so important, David. And you talk about this a lot in the book. A lot of people think they listen well, but they don't really. So set us up. How do we start to become better listeners? Well, I, I think the first is self-awareness. Let's figure out what type of listener you are. And there are four basic types of listeners. One is that competitive listener waiting for their turn to talk so they can prove how much smarter they are than you. We've all run across those folks in our, in our lives. Uh, we have the combative listeners. Uh, they're very similar to the competitive listener, except they won't wait till you're finished. They'll interrupt you and talk over you and around you and everything else. There's always the passive listener. They're not saying anything, but you can't really tell if they're listening or not. They just look disengaged. And of course, what we strive for is to be that active, engaged listener uh, with the validations, the nods. And most people think that listening is not talking, and that's not true. To be an active listener, you really are talking because you're seeking clarification. You're listening to understand. So you end up restating and paraphrasing and and making sure that you're clear on what you thought the other person uh, said. I'm so grateful that you mentioned body language too and the head nod, the eyes, the, the ability to listen with our body language as well. I think people often don't think about that. So thank you for mentioning that. You know, one of the things that, that really struck me in your book was how you introduced the acronym SILENCE as a mnemonic device. Tell us more about SILENCE and how it can be effective communication choice. 
Well, I think everyone knows how to use silence as an ineffective communications uh, method. And the way they do that is they use it as a weapon, right? They storm off yeah. in silence and then don't talk to the other person for a week or whatever it might be. However, silence can be a very, very good tool. And I sort of took uh, the word silence and I took the letters and made an acronym out of it to help you realize how best to use silence. You know, first of all, not everyone processes information the same way. Some people take longer to process. So when you ask questions and there's silence, most people want to fill that silence as opposed to letting people process. So I think if you take the word silence and realize it's okay to to pause, give people a chance, and, and why there is that silence, there's several things you can be thinking about. The situation, right? Right. Uh, is the overall view of things, what's going on, the intensity, the intensity of the conversation. Is it getting to get way too intense, way too emotional? Do we need to sort of downshift here, make some, some adjustments? Um, of course, in silence, I also apply listening. Um, you know, think about what the other person is really saying. Are you really listening? Are you actively engaged? Um, empathy. Um, are you putting yourself in their shoes? So many of us want to get our point across that we neglect to pay attention to where that other person's coming from. And very often, once you understand where they're coming from, it can actually make a difference in how you understand their message and then how you're going to, how you're going to communicate back to them. And then nurture, 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 nurture. If you want to have more positive conversations, be more nurturing. And that, that does play into the empathy, but it's, we all, we all find it much more comfortable to have conversations with people who appear to be more understanding and nurturing. And then think about the choices you're making. You know, use the silence to determine which choice is best, which response would be your next best response to what you just heard. And then, of course, I love this one. Exhale. Mm. As conversations get going and the emotions tend to get involved, sometimes if we just use that silence to take a big breath calmly allow that air to come in it just allows the whole situation to sort of just drop down and dissipate a little bit if it is getting a little too intense a little bit of a reboot i like that i like that a lot i think it also uh lessens tension right when we exhale and and even when we breathe i think some people get so excited and uh, agitated sometimes in a conversation that uh, the exhale can be a way to relieve stress David, I love how in the book you talk about managing expectations, and I'm going to start you off and, and let you take it from there. But you say, take the time to share the purpose of an important conversation. It's a setup, and I, I was grateful for that tip. Can you illustrate an example of that for us? Well, I, I think when people understand the rules of the game, the rules of engagement, and we all agree to it, I think the conversation goes a whole lot better. 
And so again, I like the acronyms because it helps people remember things. And so when it comes to uh, establishing a mutual agreement to have a civilized conversation, now I'm not talking about the, the chit chat. I'm not talking about this, the banter that we all engage in. I'm talking about that important conversation that we need to discuss. Uh, perhaps it's a health issue. Perhaps it's how we're raising our kids. Perhaps as coworkers, it's how we're going to accomplish something. But I think if you set the, and manage the expectations, you, you just get much further. So here's the, here's the civilized version, it's called a plate. If you're gonna have a civilized dinner, you're gonna eat off of a plate. So I use the word plate uh, so we can have a civilized conversation. So P, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of the conversation? My wife and I are going on a, a vacation to Hawaii soon. And she said the other day, we need to sit down and have a conversation to decide what we're going to do while we're in Hawaii. That's pretty clear purpose. There was no miscommunication there. We knew what it was going to be. Now, the L, limit the time. Make sure that both parties uh, have the time. You know, if we need to have a 10-minute conversation or a two-hour conversation, well, let's get that time agreement up front so that it just doesn't continue on. And when the time comes, we can either decide to end the conversation and put it off to another time when we, we we're both more ready or we have more time but it avoids people from uh, hurrying through things just just to be done with it how about the a for plate agenda what's the agenda of their expectations always get the other person's expectations on the table first when at all possible and sometimes it's going to be mutual but if you can always try to understand them first and then include the topics plate, the T, the topics that you want to discuss. And the, the E stands for what's the eventual outcome that you want, that positive outcome that you want this conversation to result in. And I think that's key. If you can, if you can plate your conversations by managing those expectations up front, it's just amazing how much more productive they are and how much more to the point and less rambling and uh, less uh, squirrels you end up following. Beautifully put. You know what I, what I love about that too? Uh, it gives people that might be internal processors more time with an agenda to come to that conversation to be well prepared so they don't feel off guard caught off guard and and so they feel like they bring valuable information to the table as a career coach often i hear about the um the boss that does the drive-by and wants instant information and that can be difficult for people to come up with that spontaneously so honoring the expectation of time and preparation and process but you know when that does happen caroline i think i think having the ability to ask the right question. So when the boss does come by or the coworker does come by and demand something of you now, and you're not prepared, don't be afraid to say, I wasn't expecting this. I'm not prepared. Can we put this conversation off for another 30 minutes so I can get the information together? Beautifully put. Great. What a great script to give those listening to say, you don't have to be immediately ready. You can insert yourself appropriately and ask for time. Lovely. Yep. Thanks, David. That's a great real-time suggestion. So let's talk a bit more about the book and why you think it's a good idea to take time to think and allow the slow part of the brain 
to gain a clearer perspective before diving into a conversation? Well, if, if, if you look at some of the brain research out there, they talk about the fast brain and the slow brain. And I've, I've, I've uh, in the book, I've reflected that, uh, some of that research that's in there. And what's interesting is most of our fast thinking brain comes from the emotional uh, side of us. And we'll say things that we don't necessarily want to say but that's what the fast break thinking brain comes out with. And I think we've all been guilty of that, where we've responded way too quickly and said something that uh, didn't help the conversation, as opposed to taking that time, using some silence to allow your slower thinking brain to process and, and come up with a much better response. Nicely done. I'd love to talk about those that communicate for a living as negotiators or salespeople and they're, they're closing a deal or they're striking a negotiation. How might their communication differ and what thoughts do you have for those folks in those particular kinds of career conversations? Well, when it comes down to the actual business conversation of selling or negotiating, um, I think th those are two completely different skills. and. What I mean by that is when you're selling something, you're basically getting your price for your product or service. Now, when you're negotiating, right, that means that you're having to compromise your product or service and they're ha having to compromise what they get out of your product or service or their price. And it's a different conversation. The better we can have, and I'm gonna go back to the managing expectations the better we can manage the expectations of the meeting that we're having with that person, the better off we're going to be so that we know what the outcomes are going to be. A negotiation, you always want an outcome. On a sales call, you always want an outcome. So whenever you can clearly state the end result that you're looking for in that conversation, whether it be another meeting, whether it be a sold product, whether it be a, a contract that we agree to, the better you manage those expectations, the more things get done and the less people really need to negotiate because they usually will take care of it in the midst of the conversation. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it might be a better opportunity to be an active listener. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully is right. <laughs> David, let's talk a bit about ego. You know, the hot trend now in leadership is talking about leaders without ego that can check their ego at the door or at least moderate the ego to have some semblance of humility uh, and focus on others instead of oneself. So how does ego play a role in effective communication? Well, if you recall, in the book, I talk about if you want to communicate for, for more positive outcomes, uh, give up your need to be right and put your ego on the shelf. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean roll over and be a pussycat and let people just walk all over you. That's not what it means. It means have the ability to allow other people their opinions. Right now, it doesn't mean just because their opinion is different from yours doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's different. So if you can allow other people to have different opinions, whether you totally agree with it or not, then when both opinions get on the table, then we can have an adult conversation about it and figure out what needs to be done, how we can compromise, how we can work on those. 
if my ego just gets in the way and I have to be right at all cost, I may get what I want for the moment, but that does not engender a long-term relationship or people will not want to come back and communicate with me uh, for for other business reasons uh, if they know that I'm just that high demanding, do it my way or the highway. Uh, that might work short term, but it simply does not build trust, simply does not build organizations. So let's take that from the boardroom into the living room, because I can just imagine there are millions of men and women saying, okay, but what about, you know, when my, my wife or my partner or my spouse and I are arguing about something and it, it, we often take a different tone, right? Any thoughts about how we do this with relationships in our, in our personal lives? Well, you know, in business, we think about, oh, this is business. I, I better pay attention. We get home and we think, oh, this is family. And then we just let loose, <laughs> which I don't think is going to be helpful. So if, if we find that we're arguing, um, you and your spouse, or you and your kids, you know, take a step back, define what we're really arguing about, define what the real issue is. When you can uncover what the real issue is, then we're going to be able to find out why it's an issue for the other person, why it's an issue for me. Um, now, when you're talking with your teenagers, it's not so much uh, mutual agreement on things as it is understanding where each of you are coming from. Right. <laughs> right. But uh, with spouses and things, I mean, most of those arguments are when both of us are being emotional, which means we're coming from our child ego state and it's all about me, 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 and I want, I want, I want, as opposed to taking that deep breath exhaling and saying, okay, let's have an adult conversation. I always know when my wife and I need to have an important conversation because she'll say, we need to have an adult conversation, <laughs> which, which is a way of telling me, hey, don't get emotionally involved here. You could, we're gonna bring some stuff up, but let's have a, let's do our best to stay as adult as we can, which is just an exchange of the information without getting emotionally hooked on it. I like that. And it sets you up for realistic expectations, too. So she's setting the stage. Yep. Beautifully she, done. Know, there, there, there's times when she does that. And I say, you know what? Now's not the time. I'm yeah. not mentally ready to have that kind of serious conversation. And again, I appreciate it. Just like the example you gave with the boss who does the drive-by, we need to take permission to say, now is not a good time, right? So thank you for that. That's a very important uh, action step for all of us. So David, as we wrap up, and I'm eager to tell our listeners around the world how they can buy your book, you are a communication expert. And what is the one baby step that all of us can take today to, to walk toward better communication, both at work and at home? One, one baby step. Self-awareness. Ah. And, and it's it's kind of a baby step, but it's kind of a big. Baby it's a big step. one. <laughs> yeah, take the time to assess yourself on how you've been communicating at work, at home, with family, with friends, with coworkers. How have you been communicating? What kind of listener have you been? You know, where has your ego been on all this? And I think when we we stop and do a little self assessment, um, we learn some things about ourselves. Absolutely. And David, what a perfect place to end. What a joy to have you on the show. 
Thank you so much for joining me. I, I learned a lot and I am grateful for your practical wisdom about communication. And your new book is called From the Boardroom to the Living Room, Communicate with Skill for Positive Outcomes. And it's widely available at major book retailers and of course on Amazon online. And we want to encourage our global listeners to get a copy. I've read it, it's spectacular, and I still love book books. So I've dog-eared it and highlighted it and I've got it sitting on my desk as a great resource. So David, I thank you. Thank you, Caroline, for having me. And to all of you listening, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because it helps other people find us online. And if you have ideas for a future show, you can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins or send me a personal email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. And I want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, our Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much for your expert work on making this show valuable to our audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.